Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the Lord this night 2,000 years ago set before us an example of true humility. First, he took it upon himself, the job which was despised. He took it upon himself to do this job, which no host or guest was asked to ever do. It was the job of the servants, of the lowest of low, the Gentiles, the job of washing the feet of filthy travelers, not one of the disciples who had been reclining at table with him, lifted a finger to do such a disgusting task. But Christ, their Lord and Master, rises from the table and removes his garment and ties around his waist a towel. He would wear the filth of his disciples. He lays down his rightful place at the head of the table to stoop to the very lowest place at the feet of those who came, of those who he had come to save. You call me Master and Lord, and rightly do, for so I am. As I have now washed your feet, you should also wash each other's feet. That is, they were to be an example of love for one another. That all the world should see that they loved just as their Lord and Master had loved them. They were to humbly serve one another, care for one another's needs. Those who saw and witnessed this greatest example of humanity's humility in Christ still had it in their minds to at this meal raise again another dispute which we read in Luke's gospel over who was the greatest among them. Even the disciples were most worried about where their place was at the table and in the kingdom of God. And even this night, which our Lord would be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, was still not enough to get them to stop arguing. Instead of arguing who is the greatest among them, they should have considered who was the greatest according to who had served the most. But none of them had. Jesus had called John the Baptist the one who was greatest arisen among women, born of women. And it was his job to serve, preparing the pathway for the Lord, to be humiliated among men, to be beheaded at the hands of a king. John the Baptist's job was to decrease, that Christ might increase. His call was to live a life of humility and to prepare those through repentance for the forgiveness of sins to receive their Lord and Master. But the disciples did not learn from that example. Perhaps tonight, his disciples will learn from his example of humility. Maybe they will see Christ's lowly example and take it upon themselves to serve. For what they were being called into was not a position of lordship, 
They were called to be servants of the Most High God, to deliver to the people after our Lord's ascension the words of the gospel. Each Christian, as Luther would say, is a free Lord, subject to none. But Luther would also call a Christian a perfect, dutiful servant, subject to everyone and to all. When Jesus says you should also wash one another's feet, he is saying that you should also be a servant to each other. He doesn't mean that they need to literally always wash the other person's feet. That misses the point. He is exhorting them to fraternal love, to brotherly love. Even though we are all individuals, we still are members of the body of Christ. Just as there are many grapes that make up the cup of wine which we shall sup tonight, it is still one cup, the blood of Christ. Though many grains make up the bread, yet it is still one body, the body of Christ. This act of Christ's humility symbolizes for us something greater, a perfect parallel to our Lord's passion his imminent suffering and his death, which he was about to endure. He was about to be removed from the company of his companions. He would again be stripped and made a servant, despised and rejected by men. He would again be made to carry the filth of the world. But it would be now by his blood that he would bring about the cleansing from all spiritual impurity by the washing away of sin. His disciples understood nothing from the time that he took off his outer garment until he had finished and put it back on, because at that point Jesus taught them. So also we will find this three days that even with his suffering and death, they understood none of it until he had risen again and taught them. As he laid down his life, they would be thrown into confusion, understanding nothing until he teaches them in the resurrection. Even at his betrayal in the garden, those who had said they will go with him and die with him. Still, when the shepherd was struck, the sheep all fled for a time. He would be alone, but not truly alone. For his father was always with him. But he had to do this by his own hands and by his own feet walk the way of sorrow and grief. He had washed the disciples' feet with his own hands and so he symbolized also this cleansing that would be done by his hands yet now outstretched on the cross. It would be by his own blood that he would wash and would effect the cleansing of our sins. It is written that these three testify, the water, the blood, and the Spirit. What he speaks about here, we hear from St. Peter as well. As Jesus said to him, If I do not wash you, then you have no share with me. For as John, the beloved disciple, writes, 
And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us of sin. So we see that with Jesus' blood, the whole church is cleansed from sin. And with this washing of the feet, Jesus shows that he has cleansed us so that we may now walk in newness of life and our feet set on the paths of righteousness. We know that bathing is essential for our bodily health. It keeps us clean. But you and I should also regard the blessed gift of absolution, which we have received this evening, as such an essential gift for our spiritual health. For though you and I have been completely washed in the waters of baptism, into the forgiveness of sins, yet we still have sinful lusts. Desires that cling to us like dirt and mud. We are still traveling in a sinful land. Though we are strangers here, we pick up the dirt from travel. We still, for as long as God grants us life on this earth, must still be daily cleansed from our sins. And this leads us to the final point, which I wish for you to understand this evening which is that in preparation to receive the blessed sacrament of the Lord, see what God has done for his disciples and what we do now. God first seeks to cleanse us from our sins by bringing us to heartfelt repentance over all of our works. Jesus said to Peter, If I do not wash you, then you have no share in me. We are, as Christ's church, to be of one mind, just as we are to share in the one bread made from many grains and of the one cup made from many grapes. We cannot refuse Christ's words and works in one place and yet deny his words and works in another. We must receive Christ as he comes to us, just as Peter was told to do that night. We are to come and be taught by our Lord and Master, to come humbly before the Lord, to be instructed by him through the Holy Scriptures, since we ourselves would otherwise have no understanding. And then it is, having heard his words, we are led to examine ourselves in order that we can be brought to true and heartfelt repentance over our errors. Then it is that he invites us forward, as he did for the disciples that night, to receive the blessed supper of his body and blood, And here at this altar of our God, Jesus would say these words to you. When you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you should not think about yourselves or your works, but you should concentrate on me and my works. Not as me as I will come on the last day as the strict judge on the clouds of heaven, but as I hung on the cross as your Redeemer and Savior. Think of me as I have suffered there and shed my blood, but not for me or as a martyr of my doctrine, but for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. Christ tonight gives to you his very body and blood. There is nothing more closely related to the Lord Jesus Christ than his very human nature in which he united himself to us. And there is nothing which is more directly given to our bodies than that which we eat and drink. In other words, God wanted so closely to unite himself to you that he did not only take on our human nature, but he also did other things. 
He has adopted you as his children. He has washed you clean of your sins. He has given you his Holy Spirit to dwell in you. And he has also given himself for you as food and drink. But think on this food as no ordinary food. This food is the divine food. Which is why you have no reason to come forward to eat your fill or to get drunk from the wine. This divine food is alive. And it makes you a partaker of the very essence of the life of Jesus Christ. Who by his death ends death and whose body never saw corruption, and whose resurrection leads us to eternal life. This is the only food which you will partake on this earth, that it does not change by our bodies into nutrients for us. But this food is the food that changes us. It takes what is dying and makes us alive. By the fruit of the tree in the garden, Death was brought into the world. But by this, a new and more blessed tree, we eat of its fruits and we live. In Jesus' name, amen.